Good morning, Vietnam. Havana, Santiago, and Holguin. That's where my mind is today about all things that have to do with Pope Francis's visit to Cuba. I woke up Monday morning annoyed once again because I knew that Raul Castro and Fidel Castro were going to castrate the entire visit for Pope Francis. Pope Francis being an Argentine, the first Latin American Pope, I felt that uh, this was an opportunity for him to say something uh, uniting, something positive, something forward thinking, and hopefully in some kind of spiritual divine way it would slam the Castros for what they've done to Cuba for the last 60 years. I didn't want it to be a visit of reconciliation, forgiveness, mercy, as it seemed like it was going to be, because the other two popes did that. And if you don't strike a chord with the Cuban people, let them know, you know, we're with you, then what's the purpose? Then it becomes this, in the vacuum, the cynical environment of these popes when they arrived in Cuba, they really just want to preserve properties and they want to maintain their assets there and they want to, you know, play nice with the two tyrants who've killed, maimed, demoralized so many people and had a city of Havana crumble that took three, four hundred years to erect under Spanish rule to have been able to have it all come to its knees, crumbling down before them in 60 years. Think about that. So I, back to the Pope, you know, I said, oh my God, what's he going to do? What can he possibly do being the first Latin American Pope? How can he inspire Cubans? Well, right off the bat, I saw the news feeds, very sparse crowds waiting down the streets. It explains them, you know, it explains it all. You know, 10% of the Cuban population actually practices their faith. So that's, you know, not very good numbers. That's less than a million people that practice their faith among 11 million in the total population of Cuba. But what really pissed me off, what just drove me crazy, was the sculpture, the gift of the crucifix by Alexis Leiva Machado. They call him Quechua. This freak Obviously, he's very popular. He's got to be a, a communist sympathizer. All his sculptures that I've seen, I googled him. I was so pissed off. I googled him, and sure enough, I see a lot of rafters-themed art and sculpture. A lot of rafts, a lot of rickety boats. Uh, the oar was the big symbol of the migration over the last 60 years, crossing the Straits of the Gulf to arrive in somehow, in some way, to South Florida in any manner they can, seeking freedom. But many, 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 many drown. Many, 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 se ahogan, se ahogan. That's the sound that I hear when I think of Cubans' rafters. Of them drowning, gobbled up by sharks leaving on beautiful days, beautiful mornings, and all of a sudden, the wretched Bermuda Triangle takes over. High seas, terrible storms. So when they arrive here, in the wet foot, dry foot, which 
policy of Bill Clinton, they come scoring touchdowns, you know. It's like a, it's either like a spike in rugby or the touchdown in football, but that must, must be how you have to see it. I mean, think about it. You gotta hit land. Therefore, the shore is the goal line. So think about that. Think about every splash, every struggling splash of El Barcero struggling to be free to the point where he's willing to drive uh, cars and pickup trucks over the sea. Think about that. What people on the, on the planet, what human being on the planet actually thinks he can drive over water? Cubans, Cubans think they can drive over water. It's as, it's as uh, ludicrous as walking over water. With walking, hey, perhaps, you know, you lose some weight and you can think you can do it, but a car? I mean, you've got to keep the engine in the car, too, in order to have some kind of transmission to create some kind of propulsion. So the story of Barceros, rafters, rowing their brains away, rowing to freedom, the symbol of the migration, the human migration caused by the dictatorship in Cuba is without a doubt an oar. So a crucifix constructed of oars with the conflating of the suffering of Christ with the suffering of a Barcero, with the anxiety of his family members on both sides, expecting them and watching them depart. That suffering, not knowing they'll make it, not knowing that if they don't make it, they can't even report that they left Cuba because there's implications for family members to have left. Yeah, a lot of people say lesser now than before, but still, think about all the unity Think about all the cooperation to make these rickety rafts, these bizarre looking uh, iron boats. The guys who just arrived here this week, they were on a, a boat that, that was made out of steel, literally. And it float all the way over here with a sail. Now, I don't know if those guys were dropped off halfway with this boat, there's a lot of them, but just the thought that this piece of you-know-what dictator, Raul Castro, can sit there in La Plaza and the, the hall of the La Revolución to sit there and, and gift this giant monumental crucifix with the body of our Lord Jesus Christ suffering on the cross and conflate it with the suffering of rafters by the symbolic gesture by ketchup. I like to call him ketchup. Ketchup Quechua, this Alexis Leiva Machado, is appalling, man. It's so appalling. It's so appalling to just laugh at the United States and laugh at the Cuban people and laugh at the Pope. When the migrants he's created, he's gifting as if, take over, my friends. You take care of these gusanos. Hopefully they're, they were taken, rescued from the sea and they're now resting in heaven. Can you imagine that from an atheist that is Raul Castro? The symbolism is just too grotesque. Only to, to be invited later on this month to speak at the United Nations. Raul gets to speak at the United Nations. How fitting, how grotesquely fitting that both of them are coming. The Pope, Francis, a great man, for a great institution that is my Catholic faith.
to be used in such a manner, all in the name of forgiveness and reconciliation. He's uttered only one gesture. This is all I get. It's the only crumb he gives me from his visit to Cuba. And he says it in a mass and says that there's an old African saying that goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, walk with someone. You Cubans walk together so that you don't lose hope. Believe in each other, he goes on to say, and don't believe in ideologies. Unify to make your country better, I suppose, by being a better person yourself. And in doing that, you'll be serving each other, not an ideology. It's the best I get. And his, his, you know, his candor with the people shows that you know he's not really serene. He's not really bellicose while he's there. He's joyous because he's with the people. You know that's his thing. You know being with the people. And I guess the Pope, above all things, have to be with the people. Those who are pain and suffering, and those who are poor. And you know, poverty is like the, the, the reality that ties us, this all together because without the poverty, the massive poverty in this world, there really isn't a role for religion and faith. I think if everybody were doing well and everybody were making a living and everybody could feed their families and everybody had shelter and there wasn't mass starvation, I really hedge to say, I can say it here with all clarity, that there wouldn't be a human need for faith and religion. It's the people who, who are most needy, most desperate, seek God. But very few people, very few people see their faith as the end-all be-all that drives their train, like I do. My faith really bore itself out at El Colegio Elaine, the oldest school in America, as I used to say. It's a school established by Jesuits, of which Pope Francis is one, where, you know, Castro also went to school. Fidel Castro went to Colegio Elen. And it was a big, beautiful building in Havana. Kind of looks like the, the equivalent of the U.S. Pentagon here in Washington, D.C. Enormous place. And uh, the Pope at least gave us Belenites, as we're called, although I'm a reject Belenite. Anyway, us Belenites who really live the men for others mantra, he gave Fidel Castro, in his home at Punto Cero. That's, Fidel's home is called Punto Cero, it's like ground zero, imagine that. Our ground zero is the home of, of a tragedy and his ground zero is the home of security. So how about that? He gives him a book by uh, Armando Llorente, and Llorente was a real hard-ass priest that we went to school with. And uh, I don't think we went to school with him, we went to school for, yeah, the, you know, he passed by you, boy. You better watch out. You better be behaving. Well, he gave him a book, and Fidel apparently was also his student. And uh, at Belen, he was also my student. But, like all true things that have to do with the Castros in Cuba, he exiled him where he died here in Miami in 2010. So, at least there's something for me to hold my hat on, something for me to feel positive, something enriched by Pope Francis's visit to Havana after being used to make a mockery of the Catholic faith 
the exile faith and freedom in Cuba and mockery of Barack Obama who will welcome him today in the White House and his joint uh, session of Congress where it's, uh, <clears throat> things might pick up from there. Things might get better there. But here in the United States, I know what he's gonna do. He's gonna call for the lifting of the embargo, the economic embargo against Cuba. It's gonna be a raucous uh, effect on us and here in Miami. And people are gonna perhaps go hit the streets. And uh, half the exile population came post 1996. So I would say this town is 60-40, 50-50 at best over maintaining the economic embargo against Cuba. And we'll do it the, the, the Obama way, I'm sure, without concessions like we did in the Iran deal. We don't even get our hostages out, you know? And as soon as Europe says, hey man, we're not gonna support this uh, Iran sanctions anymore, we fold the tent and give the Iranians everything that they have here frozen. Because we're always talking about us sending money to Iran, by the way. I know I'm going off on a tangent. I'll be right back to Cuba in a moment. The truth is it was frozen assets that were Iranian assets. We were just releasing them so they could have the money that was theirs. So, you know, the media plays into that. And I'll, I'm here at Blink Radio. Blink once, yes, I said it. Blink twice, yes, I missed it. I don't want to miss that. I'm telling you like it is. We're not giving the Iranians money that, that we're not paying them. No, we're just releasing money that was theirs. Just like the billions that are sitting in banks. That is Castro's money. Um, Castro's laundered his, his stash so well that he's actually profiting on the New York Stock Exchange every time it takes off. You can imagine what kind of wealth he has. I wonder if he's up there with Buffett and Gates and Zuckerman and Ellison. I wonder. I wonder how much Fidel and Raul Castro have stolen from Cuba. It's grotesque. I'm sure that they, uh, they hand the government of Cuba credit cards and loan the money back to them when, they, when the government needs it. So I'll tell you, it's a thing, uh, a thing of bewilderment that Pope Francis wouldn't leave that cross and the body of the suffering Savior Jesus Christ right there where he looked at it for the first time. Just leave it right there in the Congreso de la Revolución. Leave it right there. Get on that plane. Don't have it be picked up and don't have it displayed in any Roman Catholic property. Just leave it right there and let them find some place to put it because it's, it's a sad display of, of convincing you and I the despicable skill that Satan has convince us he doesn't exist. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free.